everybody, welcome to another episode of Two Strike Noise, your weekly baseball history podcast. I'm one of your co-hosts, Jeff. Joining me as always is the other part of the show, Mark A. Johnston. Mark, we're heading into the final week of baseball for the year. How you doing? I, I like being called the other part of the show. That's kind of cool, actually. The other appendage? I, yeah, I might even just go by the, you know, the initials. The other part of the show, T O P O T at Topots. Nah, I don't, never mind. Let's pretend I didn't say that. I'm going to stick with Lefty. That's your nickname. Please. I thought it was Righty. But you're right-handed, <laughs> so I'm going to call you Lefty. Okay. But well. any, regardless, we are heading into the final week of baseball, which is kind of sad. But as we said last week, there's plenty of other baseball throughout the world that'll get us through. This podcast is here to get you through. We've got the World Baseball Classic before next season starts. I am actually really looking forward to that. That's always a lot of fun. I love the World Baseball Classic. I wanted to start this off with a rare non-baseball related thing that I learned yesterday. Okay. And now sit down for this. Okay, hold uh, on. Okay, I'm sitting. Okay, now, you, do you, you're usually standing up when we do this? I, I, I do the show standing most okay. of the time. Yeah, I'm so excited. All <laughs> right, well, get this. Humans are not the only ones that pick their nose. What? There is an unusual-looking lemur species called an ai which is just fun. i uh, And, uh, I mean, also all lemurs could be described as unusual-looking. But regardless, they have recently been documented as picking their noses, and then they lick their fingers clean afterwards. Ooh. Which, <laughs> that little... I didn't need to add that last part, but just there's our, our non-baseball fact of the of the day. This is not going to be a re- reoccurring segment, but I don't know. That just seemed like it needed to be put out there. Yeah. You know how you break a lemur's finger? You punch him in the nose. <laughs> <laughs> well, now you do because you know that his finger might be up there. I, I was just adding a new fact. Yeah, there we go. All right, well, let's get into our BP. And I've, I've, I know the last couple of shows I haven't announced we're starting BP. I just assume people know that we're getting warmed up. But let's uh, let's get into it. So, Mark, we've talked about the Universal DH beginning of the season. We can only say we told you so how many times. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, nobody is, nobody is uh, complaining about it now. But what a lot of people are complaining about are that the Phillies are were the 11th best team in the regular season, and now they're in the World Series. <laughs> that's, my, that's my boomer noise. <laughs> Disregarding the fact that the Astros are the best team in the American League, and oh, look, they're in the World Series. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but let's talk about the Phillies, right? Bryce Harper was hurt during the season and couldn't play in the field. Right. If there were no universal DH, he would have either not played for half the season or he would have played very poorly and probably re-injured himself. But he carried this team as the DH for a lot of the season. So it wouldn't have happened last year. Yeah, he was pretty important. So I just another reason why I really, I, I'm so glad that the universal DH is... Baseball's really changing, obviously. I'm going to go into my boomer voice again. Wow, 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 wow. Don't like change. But, I mean, uh, this is this is a great thing. And, and I, again, don't hear anybody complaining about it anymore. Yeah, no, me neither. Speaking of rule changes, though... This is from Bob Nightingale. So if if you want, I'm just telling you it's from Bob Nightingale. So please take this with a huge grain of salt because Bob Nightingale 
has been known to just throw anything out there to get clicks. Uh, but what he tweeted the other day is that he heard that the Ghost Runner rule was actually going to come back next year. Oh, really? Yeah. Now, we've talked about this. Uh, mm-hmm. Everything we've seen said it was gone. Yeah. And we were going to get back to it. But uh, Rob Manfred told Chris Russo from MLB Network over the weekend that the ghost runner in extra innings will likely stay. He said that, quote, the clubs like it, the players like it, and I think overall the fans... He just doesn't (laughs) talk to fans. Uh, He said, I think it does bring some sort of focus to the end of the game in a way that's been positively received. Now, I don't believe that. I don't believe the majority of baseball fans like it. I don't believe the players like it. I guarantee you pitchers don't like it. So there's like almost half the team. But now just remember this. Now, Nightingale also last weekend also put in a tweet. He specifically said, Manfred said the A's are looking uh, like Vegas is a done deal. But if you go back and actually listen to the interview, he in fact no way said that at all. So again, take this with a grain of salt. It's coming from Bob Nightingale, but I guess we will see at some point. Yeah, that's interesting. Uh, accuracy uh, isn't always the high point of what we find out, and you know, the first time we hear something. So, well, especially yeah. when it's coming from Bob Nightingale. So, well, yeah, exactly. Let's just put it that way. Now, meanwhile, in Japan, the climax series is over. That's my that's my Iron Chef impersonation there because it's from Japan. That's very nice. Yeah. And uh, the Yakult Swallows, who were the best team by far during the regular season, have been upset by the Oryx Buffaloes. Buffalo-eye? Buffaloes? Yeah. I think Buffalo. Yeah, it's Buffaloes. Actually. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, it is. It is. They they go by Buffaloes. Buffalitos. Uh, an upset there for, uh, for Oryx. So congratulations. I uh, kind of have a soft spot for the Yakult Swallows, but uh, I'll get over it. Uh, some video of David Wells reappeared on social media last week of him giving a tour of his memorabilia room. Now, this is from a couple years ago. We saw it then. I remember I was thoroughly impressed, but I wanted to talk about it again. It looks like the Hall of Fame. Everything is behind glass in these in these cases. It's displayed professionally. He has a locker of stuff, essentially, from all of his stops in the big leagues, each team. And then he has a, a couple of Babe Ruth sections, which, of course, are awesome. So he's got that game-used jersey. He's got that the game-used hat that has been used twice by two people. <laughs> game-used and then game-used. Yeah. Then he has, like a, an, oh, like, a trench coat or something, like that he wore out on the town, which I thought was really cool. He's got a whole bunch of other really cool stuff to see. But then he had, this is this part I don't remember seeing, he had a display of jerseys and caps that had been signed by players. And among them, Ricky Henderson jersey. Nice. There was a Nolan Ryan jersey signed by Nolan Ryan. And a bunch of other Hall of Famers and Brad Radke. Which, well, well, of course. Now, Brad Radke was a great pitcher. I, uh, you know, he was a, a well above average, but, you know, he's got all of these Hall of Famers and Brad Radke. So <laughs> that kind of threw me for Everybody's a Everybody's got a favorite, you know? Yeah, who knows? That might have just been one of his guys. I don't know. I mean, I would take a Brad Radke signed jersey any day of the week. It wouldn't upset me. No, I, will, I would not turn it down. All right, Mark, we got to go to court real quick here before we get into debut slash trivia. Last week, 
uh, I mistakenly said that Manny Ramirez didn't want to take first after being hit by a pitch, when in fact that was actually Albert Bell who who did that. Oops. Yeah. I didn't think of that either. Well, I know you didn't, and that is why you are going to accrue a $4.20 fine for not correcting me. No. Okay. I'll add it to the check. Yeah. (laughs) Well, we only take crypto here. So. Or, or NTFs, either, either. Hey, maybe we should start our own crypto. Everyone else does. And that's right. very successful. And then I'll right pay now. all my fines in that. Yeah. No, we're going to, we're going to stick with cash. We're reverting to, to the, uh, the silver and gold and oh, uh, bartering okay. for goods system. All right. Uh, November 1st is when the show is coming out. No debuts today. I'm. I'm a little worried that the website I use for this is drunk because it had three people listed and I knew all three of them and none of them made their debut on November 1st. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Who the, would have? I, well, I mean, uh, I think this is only the second World Series to go into November, right? I, maybe a couple more have leaked into November. I mean, yeah, I'm not sure. Derek Jeter is Mr. November. There's no debuts today, but in today, November 1st, 1946, the right foot of Cleveland uh, owner Bill Veck was amputated. <laughs> so RIP to his right foot. It was a result of a war injury in the South Pacific two years earlier. Now, we've ta- we did a whole episode on Bill Veck. He is an incredible baseball person. And just a reminder that he wore a prosthetic leg and, and, and foot You'd walk around with crutches most of the time, and he had built into that foot an ashtray so he could take it off and use it use it as an ashtray. So that that is so brilliant. It really except for the whole you know smoking and getting lung cancer, but other than that, yeah, it's brilliant. That's it's a smart smart move. Now, Mark, you know my affinity for football, American football. Oh, yeah. I love mm-hmm. it. Watch it a lot. Now, this was brought to my attention. Uh, we're recording this on Sunday. This was brought to my attention. This uh, is something that happened during the uh, Seattle Seahawks game, which I'm sure you and I were both watching regardless. So we saw this. But uh, this is uh, this is the official making a call. And, and I think he got his uh, his stadium. I think he thought he was in the, the stadium across the street. But uh, here we go. After the play was over, sideline interference. The coaching staff of the Seattle Mariners was in the restricted area. Scott Service was in the restricted area, I believe. What, what were the coaches doing there? I Well, that's why they got the violation. Yeah, definitely. they were not supposed to be on the sideline. And yet Scott Service was there and... Obviously. probably He was probably holding up his hand waiting for a video review. But Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah probably. probably. All right. I ask a trivia question. Our first of the semi-off season. Frankly, we're going to have trivia more than likely through March, end of March. Foreseeable future, let's put it that way. I ask, who was the first pitcher to win the Cy Young Award in both leagues? Now, uh, Mark, you've had time to pontificate on the subject. Did you come up with any uh, any answers? Absolutely not. Now, did you pontificate at all? Absolutely not. Yeah. Um, the ification you pawned on this get, question is what you're that's telling right. me. Yeah. I just couldn't get the rest of it done. Well, the answer is none other than Gaylord Perry. Uh-huh. Very nice. So Gaylord Perry, 
uh, with Cleveland in the American League in 1972. He went 24 and 16 with a 1.92 ERA, 29 complete games. Very nice. Won the Cy Young that year. And then in the National League, 1978 with the Padres, where he went 21 and 6 with a 2.73 ERA, only five complete games that year. Really sliding backwards. There he is. Two uh, Cy Youngs in the in the different leagues. Hall of Famer Gaylord Perry. We did have a couple. Good to see some names back here that we've seen before. We had uh, Mike Hamilton, Marco Sines, and Trey Watson. Those are some names that were are familiar when it comes to trivia. But Mark, I got a new timely trivia too. This is beautiful how I work. Oh, this good out. news! Professional podcasting. That class I took is coming into play here. The last day game played in in a World Series, believe it or not, was 1987. Hmm. I would have said like 1967. Game six of the 1987 World Series, it started at 3 p.m. local time in Minnesota. Hmm. So it's an afternoon-ish game. Mm -hmm. I'm counting it. But it was in the Dome, so who could really tell? I mean, I now that I've, you know, wrote this down when I was when I was looking this up, I kind of remember that now once I researched this and and, and wrote that down, I kind of remember it vaguely. But I also remember it being in a dome, so it didn't really matter. But that leads me to the question that uh, when was the first World Series game played in prime time? So not a day game. Ooh, I can tell you this. It was before 1987. <laughs> OK, so that knocks <laughs> about. 87, it narrows it down to about 87-ish years. Yes. I've got it. I've got it now down to maybe I can make 70 or 80 guesses and get it right. Yeah, you've got a little bit over a 1% chance now of getting that right. Just throwing darts at a board. But uh, let us know. You can reach us several different ways. We'll tell you at the end of the podcast how you can get a hold of us and let us know what the answer is if if you know. But Mark, I'm feeling limber now. I'm feeling really good. Uh, I'm ready to I'm ready to start the game. What about you? I'm I've been uh, sitting here just, you know, because I know what today's show is about. I've been sitting here in anticipation. You're during the anthem. You're tapping your toes and just ready to go. You can't wait to get started. All right. Well, I'm going to I'm going to take the main subject today and I'm going to talk about somebody that I didn't really know a whole lot about. We've talked about him before. He seems right up my alley, as you said, when I told you when I what we were going to talk about today. Today, we're going to talk about Mick the Quick, Mickey Rivers. Now, I want to start off. I got to call somebody out. (laughs) It's never good when I got to do this. Chris Hicks. Chris, you've been assigned to write the Sabre bio and there is nothing on Mickey Rivers. I need you to get to work, Chris. (laughs) <laughs> I, these guys, if, you, if you're going to take these bios, you need to get to them in a timely fashion because often we rely on them quite heavily when we're doing our research. We can't be expected to look elsewhere. I mean, we do, obviously, but that is the, the Sabre bio is the first place I go whenever I am going to do a story on a player. Chris Hicks. Come on, man. All right, so uh, let's get started here. So Mickey Rivers attended Miami-Dade Community College. I realize we're skipping a good part of his uh, early time on this planet if we're starting in Miami-Dade Community College. But he was a fast athletic outfielder, one of the team's stars. But this just kind of paved the way for what was to come for Mickey. He once disappeared right before the start of a, a big game. His teammates didn't know where to find him. His coaches are asking, hey, uh, where's Mickey? He's batting leadoff for us, and we kind of need him. Uh, they found him asleep under a tree in the shade 
a little bit away from the stadium. Uh, as you can see, that was just Mickey being Mickey long before Manny being Manny. So that's just a little taste of what Mickey Rivers was. He was drafted three separate times before finally signing. And two of those times, he was drafted in the first round. And he wow. just said, yeah, I'm good. <laughs> he was, uh, let's see, the, the White Sox drafted him in the first round in 1968. Then the Mets drafted him in the, in the secondary round later that year in the eighth round. And then the Washington Senators picked him eighth overall in the 69 draft, and he said no. And then finally Atlanta uh, picked him in the secondary uh, draft in the second round, and then he decided that, yes, he was going to do it. So as the old familiar saying goes, the fourth time is definitely the charm. I think that's, yeah. the, that's the saying, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, after that third charming time, you got to have something else that's yeah. a charm. Got to fall back on that fourth time. Right. So he signed with Atlanta, and they promptly shipped him to the Angels in a deal that involved a 46-year-old Hoyt Wilhelm. Wow. Now, this led me to look at some of Hoyt Wilhelm's numbers, because they are pretty impressive. From age 40 through 49, he went 54 and 47 with a 2.18 ERA. Nice. That is 881 innings pitched, 620 hits, over 880 innings, and he struck out 681 with a whip of 0.989. That's ridiculous. As a starter from the age 40 through 49. That is just incredible. I kind of feel like, at least in my zeitgeist, Hoyt Wilhelm is one of the most underrated and least talked about Hall of Famers. This is true. I, I, uh, I've been trying to get one of his autographs, a cut signature or something like that for a long time after I read a story about him and uh, he, he was spectacular and you're right. We don't talk about him a whole lot. Maybe we'll have to. I'd, yeah, I'd, I'd like to know more idea. about him. All right. So, but we're talking about Mickey Rivers today. So Mickey, as I said uh, earlier, he's kind of the epitome of the leadoff center fielder until Ricky came around. He's a great defender had a noodle for an arm, not just a noodle, a wet noodle. Oof. He got on base, usually more via, you know, hits than than walks, didn't have a real high on base percentage. But, you know, it doesn't matter. They all count. Not a lot of power, but he could steal a lot of bases. So despite being named Mick the Quick, Mickey was famous for shuffling up to the plate as if he had a really bad case of osteoporosis, a curved spine, and maybe a large baby grand piano strapped to his back. <laughs> He's something watching him getting up there to take his at-bat. So in his first six seasons in the big leagues for the California Angels, Mickey hit 280. He reached base at, at a 330 clip, which is about average, and he stole 126 bases. That included leading the American League in triples in back-to-back seasons in 1974 and 75, as well as leading the league in stolen bases with a career-high 70. That was, at the point, in the Angels' single-season mark, and still is, still today, only wow. challenged by the immortal shown don't call me Sean Figgins, who stole 62 in 2005, while no doubt listing pineapple upside down cake as his favorite snack and Jennifer Aniston as his favorite actress. And why wouldn't it be? Because that's what everybody listed when they came to Seattle. <laughs> Oddly enough. And they needed to put some fun facts about a player up on the on the main screen there. Did every team have that? Those two answers as for I somebody. Think, I remember Ichiro's favorite movie being Miss Congeniality 2. Well, yeah, I mean, 
vastly superior than the first. Oh, I'm sure it was. I, I still have yet to see it. It's on my list, though. From the start of his career, Mickey was gold for any reporter who got near him. After a game against the White Sox in Old Comiskey Park in Chicago, Mick was asked about the wind and how it affected the game, especially since there was a very strong breeze that at one point almost blew Mickey over in center field. And Mickey replied, quote, the wind was blowing about 100 degrees today. <laughs> nice. I mean, this is... Mickey, I'm just telling you already, he's already in our patron, our circle of patron saints, just from that one quote, but it gets better. So I'm just going to let you know. Nice. So obviously, uh, I've, I've told you that Mickey was quick. He's got wheels. Well, before the final game of the 1971 season, Mickey attempted to break the world record for the fastest time circling the bases. This is that record that David Ortiz has never threatened. <laughs> at, at any point in his, during his career. The record was 13.3 seconds, which was set by Chicago White Sox outfielder Ivar Svansson in 1932. <laughs> now, I come from Scandinavian uh, descent, so I can say that without being called, I, you know, that accent, I can do that without being called out for that. Uh, his average speed around the bases was estimated to be about 18 and a half miles per hour when he set that record. So Mick takes off uh, the final game of the season, tries this before the game starts. He fell a second short, and that's probably due to the fact that he lost his balance about 15 feet short of home plate and stumbled across the plate at 14.3 seconds. Oh, wow. So he was offered a second chance, but he turned it down. That record, by the way, still stands today. Wow. I know StatCast has the data. I mean, I guess you would have to do it on an inside the park home run. It was the only time you'd really get that. But I'd really like to see somebody like Trey Turner or Billy Hamilton give this a shot. That would be, I mean, we know who the fastest runners are. Thank yeah. you, that cast and so on. And I mean, they could do it just like Mickey did here. Do it before a game starts. Uh, maybe they have the day off that day. And, you know, people, I'd show up early to see that. And then have a milk cow milking contest afterwards. Yeah. Bring it back. All right. Well, speaking of the nickname Mick the Quick, he had many others through his career, and it seemed to change like every team that he went to from high school through the pros. He had a new nickname when he would go to that team. His full name, by the way, is John Milton Rivers. No Mickey in there, but he had an aunt named Mickey, and they kind of looked alike. So that's what his family called him, and that's been the overriding nickname throughout his career. But other nicknames that he was called, uh, in high school, he was nicknamed Muddy. The Miami Greyhound is what he was known as with the <laughs> Angels. Which, oh, the Miami Greyhound, yes, yeah. a crime fighter. <laughs> it's very, rolls off the tongue. Also known as the Gulfstream. I think that one works. This one was given to him by uh, Sandy Alomar Sr., the almighty tired man. Maybe because of the way he got up to home plate? I don't know. He looked tired. You did say he uh, He looked uh, very little labored. Very, he look, looked like he was uh, uh, eligible for AARP membership his rookie season already. Also nicknamed the Chancellor at one point. Ooh, that's kind of a nice name. We hey. should start calling you the Chancellor. Or not. Yeah, let's, let's not. Okay, so you couldn't be a good player in the on a middling team in the 70s without the Yankees calling about your availability. I think right. Probably still the same word about now. Yeah. But, uh, and that's just what happened. After the 1975 season, Mickey was shipped to the Bronx along with pitcher Ed Figueroa for Bobby Bonds. So I had to see what Bonds did as a Yankee that would get him shipped to the Angels. Mm-hmm. 
So he spent, Bobby Bond spent one season in pinstripes. He hit 32 home runs, knocked in 85, stole 30 bases, and was an American League All-Star. But, you know, George Steinbrenner is going to George Steinbrenner. So, (laughs) wow. The trade was made. Mickey thrived in New York. His first season there, he made his first and only All-Star team. He finished third in MVP balloting behind teammate Thurman Munson, who won it that year. He hit 312, stole 436 bases over his time there, not in one year. That would have been right, or in one game. Yeah, that would have been impossible. And he even hit eight home runs, which was three more than his career total entering the season. That power surge would continue through the next two seasons, uh, where he hit 12 and 11 home runs, and those were his top two home run seasons in his career. Mickey received MVP votes every year he was in pinstripes. He contributed to two Yankee World Series titles in 1977 and 78. Mickey was a beast in the American League Championship Series. Doesn't matter what year, he was big. In three appearances for the Yankees in the ALCS, he hit 386, had a 417 on base. He was the ultimate table setter. His World Series numbers, though, they didn't quite live up. They were never quite as gaudy, but he did, as I said, help the Yankees in back-to-back seasons in 77 and 78 beat the Dodgers in the World Series. Now, Mickey always had a penchant for gambling on races. Didn't matter what kind. Horses, dogs, ultramarathons, didn't matter. I don't know that there's a lot of action on ultramarathons, but I'm sure he'd be in on it if there was. I I would hope so. Yeah. The Iditarod, probably all over that as well. Well, in New York, this problem became really bad. Uh, a lot of chances for him to uh, lay money on things. And uh, in the clubhouse before games, he'd often be on the phone there making bets. Uh, and also, while well, in center field on defense, he would yell over the fence to the bullpen, asking his buddy Ken Holtzman for results of the races while he's <laughs> out there in between uh, pitches. Now, if his horse is lost, he would often get depressed, and they would. Uh, there was a definitely a noticeable sense of uh, well, he wouldn't run as hard. He might not get after balls as hard out there. <laughs> so, uh, Goose Gossage at one point told Holtzman, "Hey, just tell him his horse wins every single day, and then he can be sad after the game." Well, Rivers bet on horses so much and was apparently not very good at it that he'd run out of money a lot of times before the next paycheck as a major leaguer with a major leaguer salary. Uh, One day before a game in his uniform pants, so he's getting dressed, he goes up to George Steinbrenner's office and says, hey, I need a bonus. I want a bonus. I'm playing well. They went back and forth. Steinbrenner finally says, okay, you know what? I'll give you uh, $10,000 in your next paycheck. And Rivers says, no, I need it now in cash. <laughs> so Steinbrenner, first of all, he got to the, on, the, on the horn with the assistant traveling secretary to see if he could get him on the line. But uh, he was apparently asleep under his desk and missed the call. Yeah, yeah, Costanza. Yeah, I remember Costanza, that Costanza, yeah. Steinbrenner goes to a safe in his office, and he pulls out $10,000 in cash and hundreds and uh, gives it to Mickey. Mickey shoves it in the back pocket of his of his uh, pants. You know, like I said, he's getting dressed. He's got his pants on already. So during that game, Rivers stole second base. The throw from the catcher gets past the second baseman and goes into center field. So Mickey pops up gets ready to go to third, and then all of a sudden just 
belly flops back down on second base and doesn't move. <laughs> now, oh what happened? Did he not see that the throw was wild? Why, you know, what happened? Why didn't he get to third? Well, he forgot that he had the $10,000 in his back pocket. And when he slid into second, some of the money came out. So he just <laughs> dropped on the bag. Now, I searched and searched for video of this and I could not find it. So I cannot 100% say this happened. But this is a, a story that Mickey himself has told. But as you can see, he has kind of a, a penchant for being a little off. So I, I don't know that it happened, but it's a it's a great story. Sure is. So Rivers not only thrived on the field, but while playing in New York, he, as I said, was a goldmine for reporters. He and Reggie Jackson had a very unique friendship, and uh, Mick was one of the few players that could really tease Reggie Jackson and get away with it. And they would tease each other in the press a lot of time. Once a reporter asked Mickey about Reggie's claim that uh, Reggie said he had an IQ of 160, and Mickey responded, quote, out of what, a thousand? <laughs> I think that made our, our quotes episode a while back, because that is a good one. Mickey's most famous quote, though, is probably, quote, ain't no sense worrying. If you have no control over something, ain't no sense worrying about it. You have no control over it anyway. If you do have control, why worry? So either way, there ain't no sense worrying. Don't <laughs> worry about it. Be Very happy. wise words. Yeah, be happy. I think Bobby McFerrin stole that. Uh, he did a little bit, didn't he? Yeah. So once Mickey asked a teammate, uh, what the dog in the show Rin Tin Tin was named. That's, again, the kind of stuff that he did. And another time, after being asked about a rookie's first game in the big leagues, he responded by saying, yeah, he looked lost out there. He was the lost Mohegan. Yeah. Oh, that's good. Yeah. All right. He played in the minors with a guy named Danny Napoleon. Mick did not hold back on what he thought about Danny's appearance. He said, quote, he's so ugly. When you walk by him, your pants wrinkle. He made fly balls foul. Now, I had to look up Danny to see just what Mick was talking about. And I got to say, he might have been on to something. Now, I don't want to shame anybody for things they can't control. But Danny Napoleon kind of looks like he got his head caught in a, in, a, in a vice sideways. And all of his features got spread out due to the pressure. They started to migrate closer to his ears. So he's a, a unique looking individual, I'll say that. Sounds like it. Yeah, Rivers also had a good time with Goose Gossage, who then actually seemed to have a sense of humor and didn't just yell at the clouds all day like he does now. Goose was struggling at one point, had a couple of blown saves, and uh, Thurman Munson one time goes out to the mound when Gossage is uh, coming into the game, and uh, he says, Goose, uh, turn around, uh, check Mickey out. And they turn around and look out in center field, and Mickey's in a three-point stance like a track runner with his butt to the infield getting ready to chase down fly balls. <laughs> I can't imagine that as a closer you really appreciate that. But well, Then uh, this one comes directly from, from Goose himself. He says, quote, Then one time I'm called in from the bullpen in center, and I climb into the bullpen car. The door opens. This is when the Yankees had an actual car, not a cart, but a car that they would drive the, the relievers in. And the door opens, and Rivers jumps on the hood and spread eagles himself on it and says, don't let him in the game. Don't let him in the game. I, it seems like everybody understands Mickey and knows he's just joking around. <laughs> but, uh, Mickey also loved playing for Billy Martin, which that's a strange combination because I don't see Billy Martin as enjoying this kind of 
person when he's managing them. But uh, Mickey has a quote that says, quote, me and George and Billy are two of a kind. Mickey was involved in a pretty famous game also between the Red Sox and the Yankees in 1978. The famous or infamous, I guess, depending on whether you say car or ca, a one-game playoff against the Red Sox. Rivers reportedly gave a bat to Bucky Dent with, quote, a home run in it. <laughs> now, he went up there, of course, as I'm guessing most uh, everybody listening to this podcast knows. Bucky went up there and hit a home run over the Green Monster in Fenway to give the Yankees a 3-2 lead that they hung on to. The rumor is, though, that Mickey knew the bat that he gave to Bucky was corked. Dun, dun, dun. Dent had been hitting 140 with no homers over his last 20 games. Everybody involved in the game, and I'm talking about both teams, seems to think that there was cork in this bat. It was funny, though, because a lot of the quotes from the Red Sox seem to be like, yeah, a lot of us might have had some cork in our bats at that point. So <laughs> they weren't particularly like upset about it. But uh, everybody seems to think there might have been some funny business, except for Rivers, who still insists it was just magic. He said, quote, nah, no cork in that bat. It was just lucky. I tell everybody, sometimes you got to just believe. I was just pulling for my homie. Now, <laughs> When Bucky says his homie, he really meant it, too. These two, Bucky Dent and Mickey, knew each other since childhood growing up in Miami. Bucky's family looked after Mickey almost like a second adopted son. They bought him books for school. They made sure, you know, there was still a lot of segregation when they were growing up. They made sure that Mickey had as many opportunities as possible. And these two were really lifelong friends, so... I think that's kind of a cool story, but you know what if what if Bucky breaks the bat and the uh, court goes all <laughs> over the infield? <laughs> he could he could get in, in a little trouble there. Yeah, he, yeah. Chris Sabo incident all over again. Mm-hmm. Well, you know how Willie Mays is called the "Say Hey Kid" because he never knew anybody's nickname. He never knew anybody's name, so he would just say "Say Hey." To get somebody's attention. Well, Mickey called everyone around him one of two names. He either called them Gozzlehead or Warplehead. <laughs> okay. Yeah, those are weird. I Mick the Quick, a much better nickname than the Say Gozzlehead Kid. I think he went the right direction with that. Yeah. Uh, as I said before, though, in the uh, 1970s, George Steinbrenner, gonna George Steinbrenner. Mickey was traded away mid-season of the 1979 season to the Texas Rangers. For, amongst others, Oscar Gamble and my favorite reliever of all time, Gene Nelson. Now, this trade, however, that brought Oscar Gamble to the Yankees is not the one that produced the infamous Oscar Gamble airbrush traded card. Oh, okay. I was so excited when I when I saw who he traded for, but then I saw the year and I'm like, ah. Oh. You were going to make that connection. I really was. Like professionals again. Yeah, I know. I, I've already asked for my money back for the podcasting class after that no, one. Oh, Absolutely. Uh, let's see. Mickey played the final six years of his career in Texas, continuing to get on base. Though his speed started to dwindle, maybe because of having to play in that Texas heat or maybe just getting, you know, getting older. But Mick still had his wit. After one particularly blistering game in the Texas heat, he said, quote, it was so hot today. I saw a dog chasing a cat and the dog was walking. <laughs> Now, weirdly enough, I found this exact same quote attributed to him, but it about being too cold to play, where it was so cold that the dog was walking. 
So I, I mean, it was, you know, he knew how to retool a joke. Yeah, he's <laughs> like, this was before social media, so he's probably playing to a completely different audience. Mickey's final game was on September 30th, 1984. He did not get a hit or reach base that day, but you know what? Nobody else did either, as that was Mike Witt's perfect game on the final day of the 84 season. Mickey finished his major league career with a 295 batting average. He stole 267 bases and has two World Series rings from those Yankee years. He did continue to play, though, in the Senior Professional League for the West Palm Beach Tropics, where he hit 355. He's, I mean, he could really hit. He was a good hitter uh, and, and had great speed. He went on to raise racehorses in Florida, which seems pretty mm-hmm. apropos. I'm guessing you know enough about him. Yeah, I'm guessing he probably might have bet on them a couple of times as well. So to wrap up Mickey Rivers, I saved my favorite quote of his for the last part here. So going into a new season, a reporter asked him once what his goals were for the new year. And Mickey replied, quote, my goals this season are to hit 300, score 100 runs, and stay injury prone. (laughs) Injury prone. prone. I'm not sure he knew what the word prone meant in that sense. But there you have it. There is Mickey Rivers. Kind of the the Ricky Henderson before the Ricky Henderson, but uh, not quite on the same level. But just like right up my alley. Lead off, outfielder, speedy guy, good sense of humor. Patron saint, possibility. He's, He's up for sainthood. We'll just put it that way. That works for me. All right. So uh, that is it for Mickey Rivers. What do you say we head on over to the uh, octagon uh, just in the other part of the studio here? And we do a little one on one, little mano y mano, one V one combat with some uh, wax packs and uh, baseball cards. Sounds good to me. All right. Moogie, hit the theme. All right, let's uh, let's get into this episode. Of Wax packs heroes. Mark, today I have got a couple of packs of 1991 score. This is from a box I bought a long time ago, uh, before we have what is now like seven boxes of cards ready to go for uh, for this. <laughs> when we were just struggling as a podcast, a, a fledgling podcast, to be able to afford. Uh, cards to open but uh, let's go through the rules here if you're new or if you just enjoy lists that they might also be something that you like. <laughs> lists in general are fun yeah so uh, we're going to open these packs we're going to look at the baseball reference war of the year of the cards so in this case 1991 we're going to add those up but we also have some extra qualifiers that can add or subtract if there is anything on these players face that means glasses that means eye black uh, anything like that, mustaches, get an extra tenth of a point. If it's a really good mustache, we're going to give you two tenths of a point. If they're wearing real stirrups, we can see the sanitary socks underneath. That's an extra tenth of a point. But if there's those two and ones, uh, we don't like that. We're going to minus a tenth of a point. If they've got sweatbands with their jersey number or caricature, any of their final three seasons were played for the Seattle Mariners. If they're wearing a batting helmet with either two flaps or no flaps, or if they're batting with uh, no or just one batting glove. You're going to get a tenth of a point for each of those. If they won an award in 1991, that means Rookie of the Year, Cy Young, MVP. If they were an all-star or were a gold glove winner, you get a half a point. If there is a Hall of Famer in the card, whether they are the focus or not, that's a whole point. And if Ricky Henderson or Nolan Ryan are on the card, that's good news for one of us. 
if it's a Ricky Henderson, it's five points my way. If it's Nolan Ryan, it's five points Mark's way. A lot of outrage last week, Mark, from our listeners that you discarded a pack that had both Ricky and Nolan Ryan in it and you got credit for neither of them. So, yeah, well, you know what? I I made a mistake and I apologize for it. Um, I I should have used my mental prowess to figure out what was there before I I, I I made the decision. I don't think they're accepting it. I think it's it's, (laughs) uh, we're also going to each pick a team. Uh, If that team comes up in either pack, Uh, If it's my team, uh, it's a half point in my direction. If it is Mark's team, it's a half a point in his. So, Mark, last week you took your Yankees, your favorite team. Who are you going to go with this week? Um, I I have to go with the Cleveland Indians this week. I promised somebody I would. All right, so you're going to go with Cleveland. Just Cleveland. The Guardians. The 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 Forest Cities. The Guardians. Previously known as the other team. Yeah. All right, so you're going to go with Cleveland. I think I am going to go. You know what? I'm going to go with your favorite team. I'm going to go with the Yankees. Oh, now, if Don Mattingly comes up, you don't get credit for him, okay? I do, too. I get double credit. <laughs> no. Apparently. All right, I get a pack. Uh, now, this week, they are the same packs in my left hand and right hand. So, uh, choose left or right. Pick your poison here, sir. I'm going to go right hand again. Right hand. All right, I'm going to have you go first. Uh, these have got 16 cards in here. A score was particularly generous. Which would you like to lose? Would you like to lose some from the top or the bottom to get down to our uh, fighting weight? I've been dreading this decision all week. You know, um, I'm going to go with lose the top. Top. All right. So you are going to lose, first of all, from the uh, Cleveland Forest <laughs> Cities, uh, Candy Maldonado, the candy man. Wait, he he that's a good picture. He's got that that wrist tape all the way up to his elbows. Almost. He's got uh, a good uniform on there. Uh, you're also going to lose the Angels. Willie Frazier Brewers. Chuck Krim. The Red Sox, Greg Harris, with just some huge, huge science teacher glasses. Junior Naboa, Oakland A's legend. He's uh, with the Expos here. But journeyman, Jamie Moyer. I think he was uh, only 44 at this point. Right. I think so. And then a rookie prospect for the Orioles, Chris Hoyles. So, you know, not as damning as last week. I'll just Maybe I made a good decision. It's rare, but it happens. All right, so let's jump right into your... Oh, by the way, just uh, taking a look at the scoreboard here before we get started. I am ahead by one, the slimmest of margins, by one win. It is 11 to 10. We're playing to 20. All right, your first card is is a great card. Now, I can tell you that despite the rumors that uh, sometimes his at-bats were taken by his twin brother, uh, Jose, here is Ozzy Canseco. Wow, Ozzy. <laughs> yeah. I don't think you're going to get a lot of points for this one. You don't see a lot of Ozzy Canseco cards. You really don't, and uh, I, I don't know why. I, I can guarantee you this is the first Ozzy Canseco we have pulled. But what cracks me up is the, you know, the conspiracy theory that Jose used to go and change uniforms and take bats for him. Ozzy did not hit at all. <laughs> no home <laughs> runs. Uh, did not hit for an average uh, he did, well, you know what, in 1992, he actually walked seven times and struck out four times. So oh. uh, that's it. But uh, he did not play in the big leagues in 1991. So uh, you're not going to get anything there. And there is nothing on this card that's going to help you out either. So you're going to start out with a big zero, which but, I could, is better than last week, I guess. Right. But we got to talk about Ozzy Canseco. So okay. That's a positive. Get this. Holds the Atlantic League single season home run record with 48 Really? And that is while he was playing for the Newark Bears in 2000. Hmm. I wouldn't have have thought that. Also played for the Buffaloes in the uh, NPB for a season. 
I'll, oh, I'll get there. He he signed the contract and then due to an injury, never played a game with them. Oh, I see. Sounds like a Ken Seiko move. Yeah. Uh, also appeared on an episode of The Surreal Life with his brother, Jose Canseco. How exciting. Yeah. Well, this is this shouldn't really come as a surprise to anybody. In 2003, Ozzy was sentenced to four months in jail for possessing an illegal anabolic steroid. No. Yes. <laughs> Color me shocked. All right. Uh, so you're at zero. Uh, we're going to go next to the Dodgers. It is uh, pitcher Tim Cruz. So I think we go through this every time we pull a Tim Cruz. He was involved in that horrific I think it was a boating accident when he died in uh, 1993 at the age of 31. Uh, let's see, in 1991, first of all, he played six years in the big leagues. In 1991 with the Dodgers, he went 2-3 and three with a 3.43 ERA in 60 games, uh, struck out 53 over 76 innings, and had a 1.05 ERA plus, and that equals a war of 0.9. Now, if I'm looking at the card here, you're going to get some extra points because he's got a mustache and he's got real stirrups as well. So that will be a positive 1.1 for you. Tim Cruz always had a pretty good mustache. Yeah, he did. Uh, you know, looking at this, I can just see the side of it, though, because yeah, he's, he's yeah. in the middle of his uh, of his wind up here. So I am not prepared to offer you a, a two tenths of a point bonus. All right. I'll I'll, I'll accept it. Uh, Steve, I can't see the card, you know. <laughs> well, Steve Olin was the other teammate of his that unfortunately yes. passed away. Bob Ojeda was involved as well, but he uh, he survived and uh, managed to uh, go on and pitch later on after recovering. All right, your next card is a catcher. This guy would have been, fit in perfectly with the Phillies, I think, as well. Also went through a stage in his career as a catcher who he couldn't throw the ball back to the uh, pitcher. Very similar to, to uh, Major League Two, I believe, right? <laughs> yes, very similar. <laughs> uh, this guy always had a dirty uniform because it always was covered with tobacco. It is catcher for the Mets, Mackie Sasser. I was already at his page. Now, I, am I right, remembering right? He couldn't throw back to the pitcher for a while? Yeah, absolutely. The Hackler was his nickname. <laughs> <laughs> wow, nine years in the big leagues for Mackie. You know, he played some outfield, too, in his career and first base. Uh, let's see, in 1991 with the Mets, 96 games. He hit 272. That's not too bad. Five home runs, 35 RBI. A, uh, well, not a good on-base percentage. A 100 OPS plus, and all of that will equal a .6 for you. Nothing on the card is going to help out, but that is going in the right direction. I, I do remember Mackie being a Mariner at one point. Oh, yes. Uh, let's see. Oh, there you go. Two of his last three seasons were in Seattle. Thank you for pointing that out. That's an nice. extra two-tenths of a point of bonus uh, for you there. Now, did he, I, I believe he, uh, oh, he's, it says here he double-clutched a lot when he that's would just right. throw back. Yes. And didn't he roll it a couple of times back to the pitcher? I, that sounds familiar. And I, I, I want to say the umpires said you can't do that. You either throw it to him or or what. So, let's see, he, he normally began to hesitate and just kept repeating his motion until eventually he would throw it. Did not have the problem throwing down to second base on stolen base attempts, though. That's interesting. Uh, finally able to overcome his problems with help from a psychotherapist. Next, you got a guy that uh, was extremely slow, but still scored one of the most exciting runs in uh, 90s baseball history. Here he is with the Bucks, Sid Bream. Sid Bream, uh... I always think of, of 
Atlanta. You know, uh, definitely time spent in Atlanta, but I really always think of him with those Pirates teams and, and scoring that run with that brace. I guess he scored that run with that big brace when he was with Atlanta against the Pirates because uh, Mike Lavalier was at home plate as the catcher. Was that, I think that was 91, right? I believe so, yeah. Yeah, so let's see. 12 years in the big leagues for Sid Bream in 1991. That was his first year with Atlanta. 91 games. He hit 253, 11 home runs, 45 RBI. No stolen bases. Shocker. Uh, though he was caught three times that year. For his career, though, stole 50, caught 40 times. In yeah. 86, he stole 13 bases that year. As they say, speed does not slump. In 91, uh, 101 OPS plus, and all of that will equal a positive point two. Now, he does have a mustache, and he does have eye black here, so that will be a positive point four. and he did not play for the Mariners. No, we weren't that fortunate. Sid Bream and, and that, this slide, and was he safe or was he out? Because that's still, that's still controversial. Yeah, I remember, uh, I, I seem to name drop them every time, but they do such a great job. During the Mike Lavalier episode on uh, the uh, 88 tops podcast uh, they were talking about uh, the slide and somebody was still upset about that <laughs> i don't remember if it was lavalier or somebody else involved but yeah lavalier says he was out he still believes it i i wish they would have gone to and you know let uh, new york review it but for yeah, some reason they, they didn't i think God. they were out of challenges oh okay so your next card is a cub an outfielder it is none other than Dwight Smith. Do we? So uh, Dwight Smith, rookie in 1989. He and Jerome Walton, remember that? The two Cubs Absolutely. outfielders, first and second in the Rookie of the Year balloting. Jerome uh, Walton, of course, is the one that won it. Dwight Smith overall played for eight years in the big leagues, five with Chicago, two with Atlanta, and then California and Baltimore for one. In 1991, appeared 90 games, hit 228, three home runs, 21 RBI, Wow, a 279 on base percentage. That Ouch. is. And his slugging percentage was 354 for a 627 OPS. That is wow. pretty low. That's a 73 yeah. OPS plus. Not what you're looking for there. No, and that will be a minus 0.2. Uh, now he's got a mustache, so you got that going for you. So that'll only be a minus 0.1. These, uh, I don't know, so far your pack, your total resembles kind of what it would if we were actually looking up the, uh, the value in Beckett's like we used to. <laughs> yeah, it's it a is, little anemic. Yeah, pretty uh, pretty low here so far. So Dwight, also a bit of a singer. Yeah, sang in nightclubs during the offseason. And then in 89, he sang the national anthem before a game with the Giants. And also he sang the national anthem on opening day in 1992. Wow. Uh, unfortunately, though, and neither you nor I remember this, he passed away this year on July 22nd. Heart failure. That scares me. R.I.P. to Dwight Smith. All right. So you are at 2.2. You got uh, four cards left here. Next, you've got a guy here with the Yankees. Dang it. That's my team this week. Uh, it is none other than Roberto Kelly. Bobby Kelly. Let's see. Did Roberto ever play for uh, for the Mariners? He kind of seems like somebody that would have at some point, but I don't know. Oh, don't he did. Yeah. Yep. Yep. 1997, which was his fourth his, his, uh, he only had four years left in that. So he just missed out on those points. So close. 30 games in 97. He was traded midseason from Minnesota. But uh, 1991, let's see. First of all, 14 years in the big leagues. Most of it was with the Yankees, who he came up with. In 91, 126 games, 267 average, 20 home runs. That was a career high. 69 RBI, 32 stolen bases. Wow. 
From uh, 1989 through 94, he stole 35, 42, 32, 28, 21, and 19. Wow. That's, uh, that's a pretty good little chunk of thievery there. All of this will equal a 114 OPS plus, and that will equal a 2.9 war. Good news for you, he also has real stirrups on, but nothing else. So that'll be a positive 0.3. That, that more than uh, doubles your score. Did you say he had real stirrups on and nothing else? <laughs> I said nothing else will help you on this card. Oh, okay, good, man. No, this card would probably be worth something if, if that were... Indeed, the case. Uh, True. Look, listen to these uh, the transactions. So he was traded to the by the Yankees in '92 to the Reds for Paul O'Neill. Then the Reds traded him to Atlanta for Deion Sanders. Wow. And then the uh, Atlanta traded him to the Expos for Marquise Grissom. Jeez. Yeah, I mean, he really went for some some big names there. So Roberto is currently the manager of uh, the Monterey team in the Mexican League. Hmm. And, uh, oh, broke up one of Dave Steeb's many perfect game attempts in 89 with a two-out double in the ninth. I think pretty much everybody that played in the, in the 90s can say they broke up a Dave Steeb no-hitter or perfect game. I know I did. Yes, I broke up two. It was One was by a hit by pitch, That, but but well, then, still. then there was a homer right after, but yeah. So you're at 5.2. Your next card is a Boston Red Sox. Uh, sporting some two and ones and a mustache. So that's just going to cancel it out right there. Kevin Romine. Captain Lettuce, as they used to call him. Uh, is that uh, true? Oh, no. That's Kevin Romaine. Never oh. mind. Okay, very close. Uh, Kevin, seven years in the big leagues, all of it with the Red Sox. 1991 was his final year, 44 games, 164 batting average, one home run, seven RBI. Didn't play a whole lot. Uh, see, it's good for a 25 OPS plus. That's, uh, I'm not sure, but I don't think that's good. And uh, that uh, accounts for a minus 0.7, which which not even really that close to his worst season, which was in 1988 when he was a minus 1.1. But uh, yeah, you're going you're going the wrong way there. You're I'll take you down to a 4.5. Well, so uh, both Andrew and Austin Romine, they are uh, Kevin's sons. I didn't know that. Wow. Wow. All right. Oh, and, wow. This is this gets even better. After retiring from baseball, Romine became a police detective in the LAPD, where what? he served for 21 years before retiring in 2016 at the rank of Detective 2. Wow. That is incredible. You're making this up. I am not. <laughs> That's awesome. And so get this. So Mickey Rivers does not have a saber bio, but Kevin Romine does. <laughs> If it's one of the guys that I've called out, okay, it's not. I was going to be mad. But no. All right, you're down to your two cards. You're at 4.5. Next, you've got a catcher for the Mariners, Scott Bradley. Scott Bradley is a, a very well-known name around Seattle. Everybody remembers Scott Bradley. Is Scott Bradley the, the I think he's the coach at like Princeton or something now. Is he? I want to say we'll, we'll find out here shortly. But uh, let's see, Scott Bradley, nine years in the big leagues. Good news for you, two of his last three years were in Seattle. So uh, you'll get some points there. And he's wearing real stirrups because he's a catcher. But I can see it to confirm, so that's good for you. In 1991, uh, let's see, a full year with the Mariners, 83 games. Was he and Dave Valley were behind the plate in 91, I got to assume. Yep. That is some catching combo with the bat right there. No home runs, 11 RBI, a 203 average, and a 47 OPS plus, and that will equal a war of minus 1.5. What? 
My gosh. Wow. Well, I mean, good news for you is uh, the two Mariner years and the stirrups. So this will only be a minus 1.2. <laughs> oh, no kidding. Wow. Well, that really helps. Rough card. <laughs> yeah, you have really got some things. You know, the uh, the Mariners traded Yvonne Calderon to get the aforementioned Scott Bradley. Hmm. Yvonne Calderon could at least hit. Yeah. And had some good hair. And uh, his son played as yeah. well. That's uh, the, yeah, Scott Bradley, head coach of the Princeton Tigers baseball team. Uh, also the brother of uh, former U.S. national men's soccer coach Bob Bradley and the uncle of Michael Bradley, who is the uh, the player that was on those teams. I'm not sure if he's still on the men's teams or not. But. And uh, second cousin of Roger Bradley, who doesn't really do anything. No, no. okay. Just thought I'd throw it out there. <laughs> All right, your final card is a member of the good guys, member here of the Oakland Athletics. It's Scott Sanderson. Were you a big Scott Sanderson fan? When he was with the A's, I was. There you go. Let's see. Scott Sanderson, 19 years in the big leagues. That's a, that is a good body of work here. He was a rookie in 1978 with Montreal. In 1991, his lone all-star year. This bodes well for you with the New York Yankees, but he is pictured here with the A's, unfortunately for me. Went 16-10, and 10, a 3.81 ERA, 208 innings pitched, 130 strikeouts, a 109 ERA+. Plus. And that will equal a war of 3.9. Wow, where'd that come from? Plus an all-star. So that will be a 4.4. Very nice. That uh, That's a good way to end your pack, a, a really awful pack. It was, it was odd. Something had to happen. Oh, well, it, let's see. With Montreal, he was part of a three-way deal with the Cubs and the Padres. Also included in that deal was uh, Craig Def Leppertz and one of my favorites, Edgar's cousin, Carmelo Martinez. Yes, very nice. As we mentioned, uh, Scott Sanderson passed away recently in 2019. He was, uh, I think he was doing some radio work. Oh, well, he was, but then he had his voice box removed, which I'm guessing probably curtailed a lot of that radio work. I can't be sure. <laughs> That's but, a bummer. Yeah, he died in April of 2019 at age 62. All right, so there it is. There is your pack. You are done a 7.7. Now, last week you had a 9.4, and I felt like I could beat that, uh, and I did not. Yeah, so I'm just going to stay quiet. <laughs> uh, <laughs> all right, I'm going to, likewise, I'm going to lose the top uh, cards here because they didn't affect you. Right. And uh, I'm hoping for the same uh, same treatment here. So, right. <laughs> uh-oh. Uh, well, my top card, uh, similar to yours, is also Candy Maldonado. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Okay, but then it's different. Well, it's kind of. Then I've got Willie Frazier. Oh, no, this is exactly the same. Chuck Krim, Greg oh, no. Harris, Junior Neboa, Jamie Moyer, and Chris Hoyles. And then uh, my top card is <laughs> Ozzy Canseco. But then it changes. Then I've got different cards. So, <laughs> great job. What Stuart. in the world? There's a reason why... Uh, the, uh, the first card here is Ozzy Canseco, obviously. <laughs> so, well, at least you don't have to look him up. Oh, wait, no, that's right. He ends in a perfect zero. So uh, I'm starting off clean, and we'll just go to my next card. where it does. Do Don't you think that's a great description of Ozzy, a perfect zero? <laughs> that might be the best description we've ever, we've ever done. There. All right, so my next card is a pitcher for the Cubs, Steve Wilson. Steve Wilson, that's not a pitcher. That's a next-door neighbor. Uh, isn't that the uh, the drummer for the Beach Boys? Or, oh, man. Uh, like volleyball? I, I, yeah, sure. Aren't they a barbershop quartet? What are you oh, talking geez, about? I hope not. Uh, all right. Let's see. Steve Wilson. I believe he was a lefty. 
there is apparently a Steve Wilson in the game today. Yeah, there's a Steve Wilson that just finished his first year with the uh, with the Padres and was very good in 50 games. So uh, we're going to have to... Can I take his numbers? Well, I guess he didn't play in 91, so that doesn't count. So go uh, ahead. <laughs> let's see. Steve Wilson, yeah, he was a lefty, lefty reliever, but he only played for six years. In uh, 1991, he split time between the Cubs and the Dodgers. Overall, no record in 19 games, a 2.61 ERA, 149 ERA plus. And uh, all of that is going to equal a positive 0.7. Wow. Didn't I'll, see that coming. I'll take it. Uh, let's see. And he's got real stirrups on as well. So uh, I'll take that for a positive 0.8. I, I like that. I have once traded for Mitch Williams. That's what, oh, oh he was, uh, he was involved in the trade that brought Mitch Williams to the Cubs, along with Jamie Moyer and Rafael Palmero. So I would say, wow, what an awful trade. The Rangers sent uh, Steve Wilson along with Luis Benitez and Pablo Delgado, both minor leaguers, Paul Kilgus, Curtis Wilkerson, and Mitch Williams to the Cubs for Drew Hall, Jamie Moyer, and Rafael Palmero. Wow. I mean, yeah, you got Mitch Williams, but you lost out on Rafael Palmero. So, yeah. Uh, all right. Uh, currently runs an English school for elementary age kids in the Pacific wow. Rim. All right. So I'm at uh, point eight. My next card. We just had him a couple of weeks ago because I, I mentioned that I am uh, wearing his number for A's Fantasy Camp. Yes. It's, uh, Lance Blankenship. That's right. Now, I like this card because he not only has flipped down sunglasses, he's got eye black and he's wearing real stirrups. So That's, that's so Blankenship right there. <laughs> that's so Blankenship. That's, <laughs> that's, we, there's, there's some merch for us right there. That's so Blankenship. Uh, let's see. In 1991... Probably his best year. Played 90 games. Uh, Six-year career, all of it was with the good guys. He hit 249, a 336 on base, three home runs, 21 RBI, 12 stolen bases, only caught three times, a 94 OPS plus. And all of that will equal a 1.5 war, plus the bonuses is a 1.8. Wow. I think he's, he's sunk your Blankenship, literally. He may have. Yeah, that alone might On be. his own. All right, so we just covered him recently. Uh, you can also find him on uh, LinkedIn where he is. Uh, he'll tell you all about his uh, baseball uh, coaching, training, and management at Blankenship Baseball. Oh, he went to he went to Berkeley. He went to Cal. I didn't know that. Mm. All right. Okay, next I have got uh, a first baseman outfielder for the Astros. It is, I think of this guy as a Dodger myself. It's Franklin Stubbs. Franklin Ticket Stubbs. He's got uh, two last names. My yeah, he does. My uh, my mom's maiden name was Stubbs, so possible relation there. Can see the family resemblance. Mm -hmm. Really can. Uh, Franklin Lee Stubbs. So technically, he's got three last names. <laughs> <laughs> All right. In '91, uh, he played with the Brewers. Ten years in the big leagues. Most of it was with the Dodgers. Six years with the Dodgers. 90, he was with the Astros for that one year. But in 91, with the Brewers, 103 games, he hit 213, 11 home runs, 38 RBI, 13 stolen bases, a 78 OPS plus, and still good for a positive .2 war. Uh, he does have two and ones on, but he also has a mustache, so that'll wipe out. So I will, I'll take the positive two there. First round pick, wow, 19th overall pick in the uh, 82 draft by the Dodgers, and then they traded him to the Astros for Terry Wells. Oh, weird. 
Oh, wow. Terry Will's picture in baseball reference. Uh, he's wearing the Rex Specs. Got to respect that. He only played one year in the big leagues for the Dodgers. He went one and two with a 7.84 ERA. That trade probably worked out best for the Astros, I'm guessing. Looks like it. Okay, next I have got another Astro. This is like an Astros pack. It is shortstop Rafael Ramirez. Very nice. You sounded good when you did that, man. Nice job. I have found out that people pay a lot of money to be able to trill their R's, so (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to flex. All right, 13 years in the big leagues for Rafi. Split at eight years with uh, Atlanta, five with Houston. In 1991 with Houston, 101 games. He hit 236, one home run, 10 RB, or 20 RBI, three stolen bases, 65 OPS plus, And uh, that is a minus 1.1 war. But looking at this card here, I, yeah, he's got two and ones. There's no doubt about that. But he's got a mustache. He's got flip downs and he's got Mims bands on. Oh man! So that that'll be a minus point nine, but that's that's still a big chunk there. Oh, it's it's not good, but uh, you know. Yeah, I mean, his, he saved me a little bit with some of his uh, some of his stuff there from uh, San Pedro de Macaris in the Dominican Republic. There you go. One of many. Although Wikipedia says a handful, a handful just means a couple, right? Yeah, a handful. There's more than a handful that come from San Pedro. I mean, I think in baseball terms, that might be the most famous city in the DR, right? I think so, yeah. All right, so I'm at 1.1. Next, I have got a Dodger, Hubie Brooks. I don't think think Hubie's going to net me a whole lot. I don't think Hubie had the opportunity to net you a whole lot. He's got eye black on, so that's I, I got that going for me just right off the bat. Let's see, uh, Hubie. Uh, wow, he was drafted a lot. My goodness. He was drafted in the first round three, four, five separate times. Wow. So, I mean, this guy was somebody that everybody wanted. Drafted in the first round by the Royals, did not sign. First round by the White Sox, did not sign. First round by the A's, did not sign. First round by the White Sox, again, did not sign. First round by the Mets, and finally signed in 1978. Wow. That is incredible. 15 years in the big leagues, six with the Mets, five with the Expos, and then a bunch of single seasons. In 91 was his one, uh, oh, so he came up with the Mets and then... Played elsewhere, and then in 91, he re-signed with the Mets for one year. 103 at-bats, 238 average, 16 home runs, 50 RBI, a 107 OPS plus. And that will be a positive .2 war, plus the eye black. So that'll be a positive .3. It's at least, you know, in the right direction. This is true. Oh, he's traded by the Mets with Mike Fitzgerald, Herm Winningham, and Floyd Yeomans to the Expos for Gary Carter. Oh, well. Also at one point traded for Bobby Ojeda, who we've also talked about. All right, so uh, I'm down to my final three cards, and I am nowhere close to the 7.7, so I need to pick it up here. Uh, There have been some top quality baseball cards, let me tell you. So if if one of us would have picked the Astros, we would really be doing well. Here is uh, Jim to silhouettes on Deshays with the Astros, and the two-in-ones right off the bat, I can tell you. (sighs) underrated pitcher over the course of his career and that i always liked that guy well let's see if i'm gonna like him in 1991 i'm guessing i'm not uh 1991 he went 5 and 12 with the astros with a 4.98 era and a 70 era plus and overall a minus 0.7 war plus those darn stirrups so that'll be a minus 0.8 <laughs> wow dude <laughs> i just i'm 
You know, I, th- I feel like earlier in the season here, I, I was doing well, but I am right back to my historical form. Uh, let's see, he was traded for Joe Negro at one point. Uh, so, you know, he's got that going for him. Uh, currently, it sounds like he's doing some color commentary for the Cubs. Uh, next, we have got a catcher for the Expos. At least he's got some eye black on here. It looks like he's, he's, he's in the middle of a play trying to tag somebody at home. It is Mike Fitzgerald. Man, I remember Mike Fitzgerald, but I don't really remember much. I remember his cards, that's for sure. Uh, Ten years in the big leagues, seven with Montreal, two with the Mets, one with the Angels to finish out his career in 92. In 91, his final year with Montreal, 71 games. Wow, a backup catcher. 202 average, four home runs, 28 RBI, four stolen bases. You got that going for him. 66 OPS plus, and uh, that will only equal a minus 0.5. He does have the eye black, so that'll be a minus 0.4. That will take me down to one even with one card (laughs) left. What is going on with these guys, man? This is... uh, I mean, it's not a wax pack, so nobody opened it up and resealed it. It's just score. Yeah, now do I get any points for this? Because uh, just previous uh, two cards ago when we had Hubie Brooks, I told you that Hubie Brooks was traded to the Expos for Gary Carter. Well, as I also told you, he was traded alongside alongside Mike Fitzgerald. So do I get any points for, for familiarity? Uh, no, but you get a head nod. Nice job. That doesn't translate into war. No, it doesn't. Uh, he was signed by the Mariners in 93, but never appeared for them in the big leagues. Well, he apparently hit a home run in his first major league get back. Nice. All right, so I'm down to my last card. I am 6.7 war behind you. <laughs> I mean, if there was a guy that might be able to get me there, at least I've got a shot. I've got, it, it's a long shot because that's a lot of war. He's wearing real stirrups. He's got a mustache as well. So that is helping me. Left fielder for the Toronto Blue Jays, George Bell. Hmm. Well, he should have some more. I mean, this is heyday George Bell, too. Yes, this is This true. is an interesting card because he's standing at home plate. He's pointing down the right field line, but he's looking down the left field line. I have no idea what's going on here. <laughs> I'm, I'm confused. But uh, let's see. George Bell. Oh, he's also got a mustache as well. Yeah, so he's got mustache, if I didn't mention that. So there's two-tenths of a point right there. So that's starting off good. 12 years in the big leagues, nine with Toronto, two with the White Sox, one with the Cubs. 1991, he was an all-star. Now, this was his first year with the Cubs, though. He was not on Toronto this year, but he was an all-star. 149 games, he hit 285, 25 home runs, 86 RBI, a 117 OPS+. This is getting spicy. I still don't think it's going to be enough. A war of 1.5 plus the all-star and the two extras will only be a 2.2, which I think is my highest score of this pack. (laughs) Well, at least he showed up. Which will take me to 3.2, which is four and a half short. And just, I'm just nowhere close. Uh, He was once traded for Sammy Sosa. Uh, That's, uh, yeah, that's how Sosa got to the Cubs. But uh, I don't care. We're now tied. <laughs> this is the first time we've been tied this entire season. I've I've pulled a Mets here. I've led most of the season, and then I've let you creep back into it, and now you've tied me. Yeah, we might not. We want, might only want to use a 91 score for special occasions. Yeah, we, we might not break out the 91. You're right for a while. We'll, we'll, 
we'll, we'll put those in the back of the rotation again. But yeah, so that'll do it. So we're tied up at 11. That's going to do it for this episode of Wax Packs Heroes. Also do it for this episode. I'd like to thank everybody for listening. Uh, if you want to get a hold of us throughout the week, there are several ways to do it. Now, I don't think anybody has uh, been able to miss the uh, social media news that has happened in the last week. We're all over on social media. Uh, I got to say, I'm not too excited about being on the Bird app as much anymore with the, some of the stuff that's going on there. But I'll still check it a couple of times today. If you want to get a hold of us there or any of the other social medias, we can be found at Two Strike Noise. That is at TWO Strike Noise. We'll get back to you there. We also have an email address that Mark has uh, especially made for us. Oh, right. The email address. I sold it. Oh, for big money, I'm sure. <laughs> no, no, I still have it. I, I turned the guy down. It's uh, two strike noise, all letters, spell it out, two strike noise at gmail.com. They were only offering two packs of 91 score. And as we have just found out, really worth about as much as that email address. But anyway, uh, this was fun talking about Mickey Rivers. Uh, why do you, Mark, why don't you say we do this again next week? We'll come up with some other topics. We'll see you on the next episode of Two Strike noise. Thank you. God bless you. Have a great day.